Welcome to Table Talk. A few weeks ago in a debate in Parliament here in the United Kingdom, the leader of one of the smaller parties claimed that the Prime Minister had willfully misled the House. It was essentially a claim that he had lied. Because of some ancient arcane rule, that language is deemed unparliamentary, and the said member refusing to withdraw his remark was ordered to leave the House and was banned for 24 hours. It made me think that perhaps it's time to take a wee look at the subject of lies and lying and liars. I'm Bob McAvoy, and you're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast. I know this might sound a bit strange for everybody knows what a lie is, but we really should begin our study by trying to work out what lying and lies really are. After all, we don't need to be taught to lie. We start lying right from the cradle. But we're going to try and narrow it down a wee bit. One dictionary defines a lie as to make an untrue statement with intent to deceive or create a false or misleading impression. So lying is a common vice. Sadly, most people think little of it. In Daily Bread, a survey carried out in America was published, and it seems that we lie at the drop of a hat. The book The Day Americans Told the Truth says that 91% of those surveyed lie routinely about matters they consider trivial. 36% lie about important matters. 86% lie regularly to parents. 75% to friends, 73% to brothers and sisters, and 69% to husbands and wives. Yet one of the commandments strictly forbids lying. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour. For those who claim to be good people who don't need a saviour, this is the catch-all commandment. For there is no one in this world who has never told a lie. And the breaking of just one of the commandments is, in effect, the breaking of them all. One American evangelist had confronted a good person, so-called, and had begun a conversation about the law of God. To show the man that he was a sinner, he asked whether that man had ever told a lie, and the man shrugged and said, Sure, I have, haven't we all? The evangelist asked, Have you ever committed a murder or committed adultery? The man was horrified. Certainly not. Are you sure, said the evangelist. Of course I'm sure. I'm a good person. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. But, said the evangelist, you've already admitted you're a liar. How can we believe a word you're saying? People think a lie is of no consequence. But God takes lies seriously. Lying is an indication of our human sinfulness. And God must punish unrepentant sinners. Revelation 21 and verse 8, we read, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Proverbs 12 and 22 tells us that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. 
So it really must be important as Christians for us to look at the subject of lies and lying and liars. Let's see, first of all, the origin and the originator of lies. And we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and we'll see, first of all, where lies came from. Let's start with the word of Jesus, actually. Um, Satan, you see, is the source of all lies. And Jesus said in John 8 and 44, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar, and the father of it. Jesus was speaking to religious Jews who thought they were the children of God by their birth. When he spoke to them and taught them, they refused to believe him, because they were conditioned to reject truth and to believe lies. In the movie, A Few Good Men, Colonel Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, answers Tom Cruise during an investigation following a code red threat. The young lawyer had said, I want the truth. Nicholson, following the script, should have responded, you already have the truth. But apparently Nicholson got a bit carried away and instead he shouted, you can't handle the truth. The directors left it in and it became the defining line of that film. These Jews in Jesus' day couldn't handle the truth. And the reason for that was because they were the children of a different father. Not the children of God, the father, but the children of their father, the devil. And because they were his children, they wanted to please him. But the devil is a liar by nature and always has been. Let's go back again to Genesis. Satan's first recorded lie is in Genesis 3 and verse 4 to 5. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God had told the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, that they can eat any plant or any tree in the garden. There's sufficient food for them and all their descendants. But there was a test of obedience, a test of respect for their creator. For there was one single tree of which they were not permitted to eat. It was planted in the centre of the garden, and the punishment for eating it was severe. We find it in Genesis 2 and 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. But the serpent sowed that seed of doubt in the woman's mind. Has God really said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It was a sort of a half-truth. God had said there was just one tree forbidden, but the serpent was making it out that no trees whatsoever could be used for food. In his next answer, there is a direct lie. He says, you will not die. So the first lie was spoken. And the sin that was committed that day has characterized us, the children of our father, the devil, from that day to this. We are liars because of our sinful nature. That's why you don't need to teach a baby to tell a lie. Let's see how this has affected us today practically. Our first thought when we think of lies and lying is the lies we tell to other people. Sometimes we call them a wee white lie. But is there such a thing? Let's think of some examples. We automatically say it wasn't me. Probably the first lie we ever tell. Thank you so much. I just love it. Even though you think it's awful, you don't want to cause offence. 
You look great in that dress, even when you think it makes her look somewhat fat. No, officer, I've no idea how fast I was going. Have you ever told a lie like one of those? I have to confess before you today that I have. One day Jeanette and me were out for a drive and we were approaching Tullymore Forest and we were stopped in a police checkpoint. So that dates it way back to the 1980s. I knew the officer was going to ask me for my driving licence. And I also knew that my driving licence was a month or so out of date. So when the police officer came to the car window and asked for the licence, I simply patted my pockets of my coat and I replied, being economical with the truth, uh, Sorry, Constable, I, I don't seem to have it on me. Helpfully, my dear wife said, Don't worry, it's right here in the glove compartment. The licence was produced and I was caught on. I was trying to convince myself that, strictly speaking, I hadn't told a lie. After all, I didn't have it on me. It was elsewhere in the car. But remember our definition. To make an untrue statement with intent to deceive or to create a false or misleading impression. Was that what I was doing? I think it probably was. So what does the Bible say about white lies? Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. I'm reading from the ESV just for the emphasis it puts on it. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Wonder can it ever be right to deliberately lie? John Wesley said, I would not tell one lie to save the souls of all the world. Would you? Some people will say it's necessary to lie from time to time because to tell the truth would be damaging or perhaps hurtful. Colossians 3 and verse 9 simply says, Do not lie to one another, saying that you have put off the old self with its practices. Here's some scenarios. Nowadays, doctors and medical practitioners have agreed that it is always best to tell the truth to a patient and some do it with little or no padding at all. That wasn't always the case. In previous years, when a patient was seriously ill, or perhaps their condition was terminal, it would sometimes be deemed kinder not to tell them about the extent of their condition. A lady in Bangor was seriously ill with stomach cancer, and was at home and had no hope of recovery. Her family doctor, the GP, was calling with her at home, at a time when that actually did happen. One day she asked him plainly about her condition. She said, Doctor, do I have cancer? That lady's daughter told me that the doctor replied, Oh, I'm treating you for a stomach ulcer. He was trying to be kind. But was that right or wrong? Should we tell the truth, even if that means we hurt others? Look at these scenarios. During the Second World War, there were German soldiers going door to door in Germany and Poland, looking for Jews who were in hiding. The people who were hiding those Jews lied to the soldiers, saying that there was no one there. Many people were spared from the concentration camps because of those lies. But lying is a sin. So how would God feel about those people who were lying to save lives? Thousands of years ago, a king ordered that all the baby boys of a certain ethnicity should be killed. 
The midwife's conscience didn't allow them to do this, so when the king demanded an explanation for this, the midwives lied and said that the women all had their babies far too quickly for the midwives to intervene. Let's read about that in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 1 verse 15 Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives, and said to them, Why have you done this thing, and saved the male children alive? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Now that's a downright lie. But look at verse 20. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 20. And see what happened to those midwives. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives fear God, that he provided households for them. God actually blessed those liars. Rahab too was blessed by God, even though she lied to the rulers of Jericho about the Hebrew spies. Is it even possible to conclude that in all those cases God permitted those lies because they were to save human life and because God values human life above all things? After all, he sent his own son to the cross because of the value that he places on human life. I know we can't generalise and we can't make those exceptions general principles but they do exist in the scripture thinking of those who have to give bad news to others, like that doctor back in Bangor some time ago. The Bible tells us that we should always speak the truth, but it also tells us that we should speak the truth in love, in Ephesians 4 and verse 15. And while we should not deliberately mislead someone, very often how we frame the truth, how we speak, is just as important as telling the truth. Although sometimes we just simply have to accept the fact that the truth stings. What about politics? Because now we have another ethical issue. Can a Christian ever be a politician? It seems that politics requires people to lie, or at least to be economical with the truth. Yet Christians in politics have made a huge difference in past times. Christians in politics at the minute are standing up for morality when morality is a scarce commodity. A Christian in politics should uphold the same standards of truth as every other believer, even if that costs him party favour, even if that costs him or her votes. On the Gospel Coalition website, Joe Carter says if a politician claims to be a follower of Christ, then they are to be judged by the same standard that we judge all others, all other Christians. If they sin, we lovingly rebuke them. If they confess their sin, we forgive them. If they repent, we seek restoration for them. But if we're committed to following Christ, we won't overlook their sin, even if it advances our preferred 
political causes. I want to finish with one more aspect of lying, and that is when we are dishonest with ourselves. We tell ourselves lies. We persuade ourselves that something about us is true or untrue when it's not. Let's see some possibilities. Uh, You might say to yourself, you know, I'm okay just as I am. You're not. We're to grow as Christians. We're to continually examine ourselves and repent of our sins and confess so that we're forgiven. We can't go through life thinking that we're just okay how we are. One of the reasons that we have the Lord's Supper is that it forces us to do some serious self-examination. Lamentations 3 and 40 tells us to search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. We need to take some serious looks at ourselves, especially as regards to telling the truth and telling lies. Sometimes when we do something, we tell ourselves that no one will ever know. But they will. God will. He is all-knowing. And one day, those things which we have convinced ourselves that no one will ever know will be brought out into the open, and we'll give account of them. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. By your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. One of the classic lies that people tell themselves is the lie that goes, God made me this way. It's used as an excuse for all sorts of sinful lifestyles. It's used even for misbehaviour. I can't help being rude. I can't help being nasty. I can't help the things that I do. It's just the way I am. It's the way God made me. And of course, ultimately, it's used by the LGBT lobby. People can't help having uh, sexual impulses the way that they have them simply because that's the way they are. God made me this way. It's a lie. It's a downright lie. God didn't make you like that. Sin made you like that. And sin was dealt with at the cross. And so go and sin no more. We do lie to ourselves. And we usually lie to ourselves to cover up some area of sin in our lives. Just stop it. Be truthful with yourself as a Christian should and start to live for Christ. First John 2 and verse 4, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Second Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we've looked at lies lying, liars. And we've seen that while there may be difficult ethical situations that will confront us from time to time, essentially lying is a sin. Whether we are lying to or about others, or even lying to ourselves, it's a sin that God hates. It's a sin that God must punish. And it's a sin that was so serious that Christ took our punishment for it. All of the lies that I have told and you have told have been laid upon Jesus at the cross and he paid the price for my sins.